Welcome to The Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. We want to thank Creatorhood for sponsoring the special thought leadership conversation on taking stock on what we've learned about the possible moving forward to amplify fan connectedness for both visual and non-visual creators of all types. Creatorhood is a creator-first marketplace revolutionizing the NFT space with over 11 embedded utilities, protection for creator royalties, easy onboarding, and sustainable NFT minting. Today, we'll delve into the challenges of sustaining creator communities, the importance of transparency in the creator-fan relationship, and the transformative role of utility NFTs in bridging Web 2 and Web 3. Before we get started, though, first, let's do some quick introductions for everyone joining the call to speak. Thanks, Richard. So this is Josh Krieger. I'm one of the co-founders of Edge of Company and co-host on Outer Edge. We have Sean, our trustworthy producer. And then Richard is joining from his own account. Richard, how are you doing today? Doing great. Happy to be here. I am joining from the Edge of Team today from my own account. We also will potentially have someone coming from our Edge of AI Twitter account a little bit later. For those who don't know, we have a new show coming out called the Edge of AI. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's a brand new podcast brought to you by the Edge of Company, launching this August 2nd at the Ken in Venice, Los Angeles. Yep, that's right, everyone. And we have two exciting giveaways for folks that are being part of this Twitter space. So you'll stay on the end of the show to learn how you can get a chance to win two tickets to our launch party worth $200, as well as five other listeners getting a really cool ticket giveaway as well. And then, of course, we have a giveaway brought to us by Christina around Creatorhood as well that we'll chat about later as well. So really excited about all this. But let me introduce our guests. First up, we have Aisha Kanji and, and Manny Hariri, the dynamic co-founders of Creatorhood. Their innovative vision and dedication towards empowering creators have helped shape the creator industry, providing a platform for artists to thrive and share their talents with the world. Hey, guys, how is it going today? Yeah, it's going great. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we love having you and really appreciate what you guys are building for the space and excited to unpack that a little bit more. We also have the one and only Josh Ong, co-founder of Boardroom Ventures. With a keen entrepreneurial spirit, Josh has been at the forefront investing in promising startups and fostering a culture of innovation. I feel like I see Josh everywhere. There's a Web3 event. And Boardroom Ventures is a consulting agency and NFT fund that partners with brands to strategize, build community, create impactful moments in Web3. What's going on, Josh? Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. And I'm glad you're part of Josh Dow. It wouldn't be the same without you. So, um, so we also have... <laughs> Yes, there's uh, 63 Joshes in Web3 so far that we've counted, but there's probably more in the shadows that we need to get into the mix for Josh Dow. We also have Dominic Adams, known as Gentle Tornado, the esteemed CEO of Hype Foundation. Dominic's commitment to making a positive impact on education and personal development has touched countless lives, inspiring a generation to achieve their full potential. His foundation is revolutionizing the way mental health is approached, addressing that among teens and young adults. Really love what you guys are doing, and it sounds like a really critical mission that you're at. How's it going today, Dominic? Going absolutely amazing. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be alive. Same here, brother. And then, well, who else? Uh, 
Next up, we have uh, Christina Flynn, who's the visionary CEO and founder of Intentional. Christina's groundbreaking work in the tech industry has paved the way for cutting-edge advancements and revolutionary solutions to real-world challenges. Intentional is a digital marketing and communications agency with its finger on the pulse of Web3 and proven systems that are building powerful brands through content, community, and consistency. Christina, great to have you. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Definitely. Looking forward to diving into some conversations with you. And finally, we are excited to have Ed Bloon, who is on the space today. Ed is an artist, musician, and creator of the Run Ed Collection, and Beauty Supply is out of do-rags. Ed, so glad you're able to make it with us. How are you doing? I'm okay. Glad to try to get in here. Kind of busy day, but yeah, glad for the conversation. Thanks so much for taking some time to hang with us during a busy time for your own drop and, and what you're up to in the space, man. Really appreciate that. And speaking of which, I don't know about you, Richard, but I am certainly pumped about our launch of AJ AI podcast coming up. I know we sort of started to give folks a sneak peek there, but maybe you can kind of dive a little bit deeper and then we'll get started. Definitely. So we're inviting everyone to join us at Venice Beach on Wednesday, August 2nd for a live podcast recording, Esper Talks, great music, tasty treats, cold drinks, and insider networking. Snap into your safety belt and prepare to explore the depths of the rapidly expanding AI universe. Each of our episodes is a dispatch featuring hyper-relevant reports from pilots, pioneers, and passengers aboard the AI rocket ship. We explore the latest use cases and developments in AI, where you can hear from experts building the tech and how this disruptive Force is transforming industries and society. We're doing a giveaway during this Twitter Spaces. So to enter, quote, and retweet this room with something you are enjoying about the space. Or quote from a guest that you loved and you enjoyed hearing from. And you'll be entered to a chance to win two of the Edge of AI launch party tickets. The contest will go on for 24 hours. So even if you're listening to this after it goes live, you might still have a chance to win. That's right. And then also in partnership with Creatorhood, Christina has been gracious enough to do a giveaway of her own, which will be a piece of art, only their second piece ever to be listed in a 30-minute coaching session on how to build your personal brand. So these are really special opportunities, and Sean will tally up all the entries and get Christina's help picking a winner by the end of the show. So that's happening at the actual end of the show. So to start off this conversation, we want to dive into the Web3 fan experience and how that impacts the world of independent creators and, and how they can use Web3 to enhance their trade. There's all sorts of different uses for Web3, but this sort of area of, of supporting independent creators, I think, is a really important one. And it's one that doesn't always get enough conversation. We talk about the bigger creators, the bigger brands, whatnot, that have agencies to represent them, but there's a lot more independents out there. So I'd really like to start this conversation just by reflecting on what has worked and hasn't worked for independent creators when it comes to applying Web3 to their trade. And I was hoping, Christina, you could kick us off there as someone that's sort of built a personal brand guide for independent creators in working with so many. You, you have a nice lens on all this. So what do you see working, not working in this regard? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's actually fun because one of the first artists that I ever worked with was Ed Balloon. And Ed has been a big part of the story framework that we've developed and some of the like successful and proven strategies we've been able to develop for creators to help them with this exact thing. The way that we look at it is really from a 
framework approach. And so when you think about an independent creator, it's overwhelming to build your brand. It's overwhelming to even get started. How do you balance creating and building your work as well as marketing yourself and selling your work? And so from our perspective, we look at what has worked in the past, the first of which is building through story. And by story, we mean values, points of human connections, who were you raised by, how were you raised, what did they kind of instill in you over and instead of trauma spilling, which can be very, very difficult for a lot of creators. Sometimes we think of storytelling as showing up as your most vulnerable self, but you can do that in other ways. The next part is really, once you've got that story and those values and human connections, you can figure out how do you articulate that and how do you do that through content that is relevant to the people that you're trying to target, to potential collectors, to folks you're looking to partner with. And then it really becomes a matter of how do you do that in a consistent manner? So using systems and tools that we have available to us now to help limit some of the time that you have to spend doing this work and maximize the output of that time. And so that's really what we've been seeing work a lot. We talk about all the time in this space, the importance of authenticity, the importance of showing up as yourself. Most creators, especially independent creators that I know, aren't necessarily challenged by doing that. The challenge comes from the ability to manage it all, the ability to manage your time. And so platforms, why I really love working with Creatorhood, platforms that allow folks to be able to do that to communicate their message really clearly, but also to be able to sell and monetize themselves beyond art and into their skills and their expertise, it creates really big opportunities for folks. So those are some of the strategies that we're seeing and and examples we've seen of that are folks like Ed Balloon, who has really depended on storytelling, who has been able to innovate in a way that other folks haven't been able to and build really, really strong connections and relationships within this community as a result of that. Yeah, I love all that. And I'll speak as a a creator, a a podcaster, how you naturally sort of are on a quest for tools and technology that enable you to focus on what you do the most. And we've been on that quest since we started the podcast in March of, of 2021, and we've done over 250 plus episodes. And there's usually not sort of one tool that's sort of comprehensive that makes all this come together, but it's something we should shoot for. And I appreciate sort of creatorhood trying to put that on the map. But let's talk about some mistakes too, because there's plenty of them. And I have lots of war stories on my end. Ed, when did you trip up on your sort of Web3 journey? And what did you learn from that? What do you mean by trip up? Like, you know, make a mistake, sort of go down a path where you realize you had to take another turn. Obviously, different people have different perspectives on mistakes and how they embrace. Some people say, oh, there's no mistakes at all in life. It's all good. But, (laughs) you know, I'm just looking for sort of, you know, some lessons learned here. So in the regards of like a trip up, I would say maybe someone would say, oh, your Ryan Ad collection was possibly a trip up. And it wasn't a trip up, I would say. But it was something where you're like, okay, next time you should not drop when the apes are dropping, something like that. Or just taking consideration just like who your audience is more and like what they will be inclined to, those things. But I don't know. I feel like that was necessary in a way for me to be able to like understand the space a little bit more and what it means to like do drops and and rollouts and and those things. So I guess it was kind of a chip up. You may see it that way. I take those things as, you know, things that I need to like, you know, to use to continue running experiences, I would say. Is there anything else? 
Yeah, I guess on the flip side, man. Well, like, I was like, I, not asking you. I was like trying to figure out if there was any other trip ups. I'm sure there's, you know, there's <laughs> other things. But <laughs> no, I really haven't seen that. But I also don't want it to be like because that word can sound a little bit discouraging for like people coming out here who are like just trying to figure out, oh, how do I do things and what do I drop and why should I drop and like do I have to, you know? And sometimes you should just just drop too. Like I think a lot of times too. The trip up really isn't your fault. There's timing, right? Timing is so important in this space and the space moves by so quickly. You may think it's the right time and it's not. Like when I did my drop, the day was great. The rollout was pretty much everyone knew about it. And it all it took was a big project to say, Oh, we're doing a we're gonna do a drop in a week, which was the same day, right? And it's like, Oh, do you move your project to another date? And if we were to move it to another date, then because if you guys are familiar with the other side drop, that was like the same. The next day was like the bear market or like the beginning of it. Right. So you also have to like take in consideration just like what that means and stuff. So there is a lot of like, I don't know if you want to say so much about trip ups. I would say if anything, really, like a lot of the trip ups you really want to make sure that you don't have is making sure that you're not a rug. Right. Making sure that the people on your team are going to be consistent making sure that you are going to be consistent in the space, making sure those things, right? Those things are, are like trip-ups that you don't want to have. But other things that are really like out of your control when it comes to like maybe a drop not selling out the way you want it to or things like that or just like, oh, the bear market, right? Those really are out of your control. So you just really have to figure out how you can navigate that. So I don't know if it's so much of a trip-up versus a learning experience. Yeah, That was no, a lot, I, but I just had, you know, the trip-up was like, eh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that's really what I was going for. And I appreciate sort of the importance of the vocabulary that we use to talk about this process. But what I gathered from you is at the heart of it, you got to make an intentional decision to sort of commit to whatever you do in Web3. At the same time, overanalyze it. Don't be too precious about it because inertia is a bigger enemy than making mistakes, right? And really, mistakes are just part of that evolutionary journey. And you want to sort of embrace the opportunity to learn because that's what Web3 is all about. Yeah. And to build off of that, because I think you had some really great points in there, you have to be able to change and adapt with what's going on. Most people had no idea that the bear would be as sustained and amplified as it has been in the NFT space. And with doing that, we have to adjust. It is a life of adjustment. And Going into one of our next questions is, is around cracking the code of like what's captivated Web3 audiences, especially in this moment. Like this is the hardest time to be building. We get on the we live to see another day on the other side of this. I really think things are going to be absolutely incredible. But right now it's about how do we continue to grow in this moment? So now we're going to kind of talk about what hasn't worked and what is working with engaging and captivating fans in this new landscape. So, Josh, I think I'll pass it over to you to ask your first question. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. 
if you're into those sorts of things. Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. I was curious, Gentle Tornado, your perspective on this. You have a really great nonprofit initiative. And of course, I'm sure there's some Native folks that embrace your initiative that may not have known anything about Web3 and then some Web3 folks that have come into the fold as well. So what techniques have you found successful in terms of captivating your audience and engaging them around sort of Web3 projects? Yeah, so I think making your community care about what you're doing is really important. And the way that I've always gone after content is just document and just be myself. I don't really care how many likes or followers I have. I just put out what I'm putting out. And I embarked on this journey to preach positivity and gratitude. And it's easily one of the hardest things, you know, drama sells, not positivity. And so the way that I had to get after content was be in people's face. Like I'm going to be relentless. I'm going to be in people's face about gratitude and positivity. And then the relationships will come, the community will come. And my consistency is easily what has been the number one thing. And from there, I've just doubled down on everything else, right? Being consistent translates to so many other things. And I think when I came into the content space just for myself, I just wanted to be undeniable. That can mean a lot of things to different people, but the fact that I have 525 gratitude day videos in a row, like no one can take that away from me. The fact that I've done other things too in my life, but like those are statistics that nobody can take away. And when I tell people outside of Web3 that, they are even more shocked than the people that are seeing it daily. And I think that's kind of the how I've always built my brand is I want to build this brand that's going to be undeniable. And in a year or two years, I'm going to have 1,500 grad or whatever, how many gratitude day videos. And that has formed a community that I believe I could do whatever I want with as long as I'm honest and ethical. I love that. And I think that's sort of a mission that we should all aim for in life is to be undeniable at whatever it is that we're doing in the world. Life is too short to be ordinary, in my humble opinion. So, Josh, what about your thoughts here? How do you find sort of the win-win between creators, fans, and marketplaces? I think achieving win-win is really aligning everybody in terms of incentives, but also in terms of mission. And so... I think if you can match up creators and fans to have some of their collectibles in their work, some of that early support to really be a win-win for that relationship, I think creatorhood as a marketplace can come in and also help to triangulate that. So yeah, we're hoping to see the real like cycle there for helping creators and fans together. I love that. Yeah, and just even adding on to that, creators are continuing to have to navigate this dynamic landscape. And I'm sure there are several lessons learned from the roadmaps that might have not panned out. So a lot of people created these really big visions and dreams in the height of everything. But again, not necessarily everyone planned for a sustained bear. What are some of those like core lessons that you were able to learn? And I'm opening this up to the floor if anyone would like to share uh, by all means. Yeah, happy to kind of jump in on this. I think, you know, for as a 
creator myself and also as a builder, watching the space over the last few years, you know, there's been a lot of hype, right, around a lot of projects and what they're going to deliver. And then, you know, sort of seeing when things aren't delivered, sort of the fallout of that's not always great. And I think a lot of the times folks do have the true intention to deliver, right? But it's that sort of over-promising. So I think from our perspective, it's important to kind of have that transparency up front and being quite balanced, I would say, and circumspect in what you're offering and what you think you can do. And, you know, putting that on chain, that's what we're trying to strive to do at Creatorhood, so that it's a balanced equation for both the collections and creators and the buyers just to say, hey, like, this is what I want to give. It's a two-way, you know, I want to benefit alongside my community. And equally, I'm allowing my community to have transparency into that and to keep me honest on that. Appreciate that. And Gentle Tornado, you had some thoughts there? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is the honesty. You know, what AK just said about not delivering on things that people promised, that's okay, right? If you come out and you say you're, you know, we messed up or we weren't able to do this and taking that accountability because that could gain you 10x the amount of like fans or community members. And I think that's something that people don't do in in web three that it's done so commonly in the web two world is like how you build a successful web two company is being honest and building a reputation and doing these things. And your word is really everything. And where in this space, People come out with a project, say they're going to do these things, not do them, and then maybe cry river. But it's like, hey, come out, say that you messed up, say that you're doing this, boom, boom, boom. Like it's okay to mess up. Obviously, it's amplified in this space because it's pretty emotional here. But at the same time, you can be accountable and that'll gain so much more traction and it'll build your word. I really appreciate that. I think that there's a lot of merit in terms of what blockchain and Web3 offers in terms of balancing transparency with privacy. At the same time, you can't take advantage of that privacy to sort of think that there's a force field between you and your community. In fact, I think that level of transparency and over-communication is obviously that much more important because of Web3, because you're not talking to people in person as often. You're not sort of video chatting even. It's all through sort of written communication and through visual communication. And so it becomes that much more important to sort of communicate because you have less senses to work with at any given moment. Ed, any other thoughts on this, man? I agree to a certain extent. I think sometimes in this space too, those who may be considered to just be the the supporters or for the lack of a better term, consumers, I don't know. And maybe this goes a little bit more with the bigger projects. There is this need to know how wear this the right way. I mean, because there's nothing wrong with like being, seeing how the project is moving how, or how the artist is moving. But I think there also needs to be this trust factor, right? If you're buying into this project or if you're buying, you know, this artist or you're buying this work, you also believe that this person is going to deliver and they're going to do these things, right? So there needs to also be like, I think I kind of, especially as an artist, right? There are ways like when you are doing things, you may not know or understand the process, but it's going to get there, right? There is a vision. And sometimes I feel like, I'm always, and this could just be the artist in me, but sometimes over like explaining what you, of how you're trying to get to this vision, because sometimes we can how to do it. And that's just more of like the creative for me. I'm not a big fan of that. Like currently right now, I'm working on a short film, right? And I had to take this point where I was like, okay, I need to really focus. And hopefully people will like believe, I mean, shout out to, you know, the run ad holders are like, you know, they let me rock the way they want me to rock. But not every project is like that. And I'm also, I think, 
I'm also very accessible. If you have any questions, you definitely can hit me up. But I am someone who's just like, okay, I care a lot about process and I care a lot about execution. And a lot of times in this space, people talk a little bit too much and execution is not there. And it's because they're talking a little bit too much versus for like kind of working and looking at the execution. Like, and so it's very difficult for you to be like, okay, we're going to do all these things because a lot of times when you're saying all these things, you're also building up this hype, which is cool, but it is very difficult. And there's a lot of pressure if the execution does not meet the hype. And we've seen it times and times and times again. So I'm always just like, and of course it's always like, oh, you undersell and over deliver, but it's very difficult to undersell when you are selling, right? Like, if, how do you understand? Like, how do you get people hyped? You're told to say, oh, yeah, let them know that you're doing X, Y, and Z, right? So you really have to, like, find this balance. And that maybe it needs to be already done <laughs> or something or, like, <laughs> close to it. And we can steps by steps, like, go into it and say, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. I just feel like in this space sometimes, like, a lot of the communities, they really want. And I think we've kind of reached this point where it's just like, okay, we're going to let you rock a little bit. I also think every community is kind of different depending on the project that you're in. Again, I am an artist, so I think a lot of people, a lot of my holders, a lot of my collectors just know that, okay, it's going to be through the art and audit, you know, artistic approach and perspective. And maybe these bigger projects don't really have, it's not so much that it's more of like, it's just another approach, which is to each his or her their own. But for me, I am someone who is really big on making sure the execution is like on point. And it is very difficult for you to get to that point if you have like like talking about it in every twitter space and everywhere you went from all these things to like get to the execution and you're just like oh what what is this and so i care a lot about execution if anything i would more or less like okay what's the deadline like is there a deadline is there a date stuff like those things um but yeah i'm not sure if i went on yeah. rant, but no no it's a paradox and it's a challenge in our space right and it's one that we address as well through Edge of NFT, where we want to tell people stories, but we don't want to inject more hype into the space. And how do you get people excited enough to sort of go along on this journey with you without sort of creating empty promises? And how do you match vision with creativity? It's not easy. And I think, Christina, you had a thought here. If you could share it briefly so we can jump into the next sort of part of the conversation, that'd be great. Oh, no, let's just keep the combo flow. And I just think the point of trust is something I wanted to really, I guess, nail in because I think it's all about that, right? It's you build community by building trust. How do you build trust? You build trust by follow through. You build trust by giving value instead of extracting value. You're clear about what that value is that you offer, and then you deliver it consistently in order to manage and meet expectations. So that's it. That's great. Yeah, thanks for underscoring. And I don't know how much more time you have with us. There's one other question that I really wanted to ask and kick off with you because you're both an artist and a musician. And I think there's some nuances here between the visual and non-visual mediums as creators in terms of what the needs are of from a, both the infrastructure perspective and a community building perspective. And since you sort of cross both worlds, can you talk a little bit about some of the similarities and differences there in terms of how that relates to sort of building community and collectors for your work? I'm going to see if I can get this question out. Yeah, it, first of all, being a musician in the Web3 space is so very difficult. I am seeing it's way better than what it was three years ago. <laughs> but there is this divide. And I've always been someone who 
I would say I probably am more privileged than a few other musicians or other musicians in the space because I have this visual component with the puppet and I also have tapped into that. That was also that I just, I think in coming into this space was something I just, I found the freedom to do. We now have mid-journey and things like that. So I am seeing a lot of artists tapping into those things. But I think for me, some of the collectors are just like, oh, I don't really see, I don't understand music, NFTs or things like that. But they understand or get visuals. And so I am like, well, how can I be able to embed the two? Is it possible? And, you know, I've done some things where it is. And so with the Renee collection, I make sure I put all the music, all these things in there to just show the possibilities that you can do with art in this space. And with those, like with doing that, it has allowed conversations about like, oh, yeah, maybe there is a use case with music and NFTs. But you have to be able to try things and expose people to things that they just really aren't used to. And so that's in my way of just like finding supporters and, and finding collectors. Um, I think with me, thankfully, it's not me so much compromising, just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do this. And then it's more of just like, oh, I want to do this because I have an interest of doing this. And OK, we all have an interest in this one thing, but I also have an interest in this other thing as well that you may not know that you have an interest in or you just may not have the capacity to find that interest there yet. So how can I bridge the two? And I do it all the time. I always want people to know that I am a musician because that is my first love. And so with that being like, how do I do it? It's always more of just like, okay, well, find a way to connect it, right? So even with this generative op drop that I just did, like you're getting a vinyl, right? So it's always a way, I'm always just finding a way to connect it. And I think people who have found me in this space, I would say appreciate that a bit. I still have the arguments, of course. There's, oh, I don't really see the use cases like that. But there are others who are just like, oh, I, I see what you're doing and this makes sense. Or I like how you did this. Like like with the physicals, you know, as a lot of with musicians, like with artists in the space, like physicals could be a print or, you know, like a piece. Or And I'm like, well, as a musician, a physical is like a vinyl. So that's a way of being able to like bridge the gap and like also just showcasing the use cases of like how we can also move as musicians in this Web3 space. So yeah, I hope that answered your question. Did it answer? Yeah, totally. Josh, what are your thoughts? You guys have wrapped a lot of different folks in space, both on the visual side and non-visual side. What are some of the differences in sort of how do you have to approach those differences? Yeah, I mean, I think visual art made sense kind of on a screen. And so I think there was a pretty heavy weight toward that for a lot of early kind of Web3. And there were some fun experiments on the music side or other types of creators. But I think one of the things that we heard from creators that we were working with at the Creator Alpha were that non-visual artists, they wanted to introduce utility into their NFTs because the way that kind of their personality worked, the way that the things that they create in their relationship with their fans, it made sense to have you know, different levels of access and allowing fans to come in and support and also be part of that work. And so I think that's something that we see as desired by non-visual creators in Web3 is what does it look like to add on utility and then pursue other formats that they can use to release their work. Yeah, I appreciate those points. Does anyone else have any closing thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next segment? No? All right. Well, Ed, feel free to stay around as long as you can and continue, but if you have to jump, totally understand it. I appreciate y'all. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for the conversation. It's been a dope conversation. I know I was just here for like a very short time, but I appreciate the invite and I'm looking forward to engaging in more conversations with y'all. Appreciate y'all. Hi, Christina. Yeah. And just before you jump, just you want to give a quick 
heads up on your recent drop, just so everyone in the room is aware of what you've been up to lately? Yeah, so I am Ed Balloon. If you don't know, now you know. You know, that was so corny. I won't do that again. But yeah, I am Ed Balloon, and I just did a drop, my first, or Genesis, as they would say. We don't even say that anymore. But anyway, Genesis <laughs> of a Gen Art um, drop. And it's called Beauty Supplies Out of Durax. And it's in my pin suite if you would like to learn a little bit more about that. And it's just more so of just showcasing or giving you the visuals in regards to, like, I would say box braids and locks. Things that I would say definitely represent Black culture. I want to really hold on to that and put it into the blockchain. And we have it in the blockchain. And it just mostly tells a story, a story that I feel like I need to share. Definitely give it a look, but it's on Arbitrama Layer 2 and it's on Prohibition, which is a new gen art platform. And yeah, we'll love the support. Thank you so much. We have 95 left out of 300. So yeah, and it's at 0.09. And yeah, thank you so much. And I'm excited. It's been a crazy ride. No, it's a bear market, but you know, we do what we do because I'm an artist. And so yeah, I appreciate all the support thus far and we'll continue on to support all I can love web3 or we if anything more so we just love the builders and all of us who are out here doing what we need to do to keep this space and what we do here going so thank you so much for the time and on that note i'll be heading down i hope you guys continue and have a dope conversation thank y'all yeah thanks ed hey there nft space cadet let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to abbott kinney boulevard in venice beach la Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. So... As we start to sort of wrap up this conversation, want to focus on the path forward. We've had a really interesting chat about what's worked, what hasn't, what we've learned in this space, how we're approaching things in the bear market. But I think there's a more of a macro set of lessons learned in terms of how this applies to 
the mechanisms and incentives that we use for Web3 moving forward, because this space is constantly evolving. And certainly when we take stock at, at the overall industry, there's some things that we do need to do differently to propel creators and audiences alike to greater success. So Christina, why don't you kick off this conversation in terms of what are the building blocks that we have to take away from the last sort of wild and crazy couple of years? Oh gosh, we don't even have enough time. <laughs> I think the last wild and couple crazy years have taught us a lot, right? Like we said, they've taught us a lot of things that we shouldn't do. I think a lot of artists have grown in their skills and in their crafts and their ability to connect and network with one another. And like Ed said, the the failures can be seen more as lessons. Sure, at the time they sting. I was there. Renee Collection didn't drop the way that we wanted it to, and it definitely stung. And there was a lot of lessons that we took away. I think the building blocks for moving forward are really to make sure that those lessons are not for naught. One thing that I get really excited about is this idea of the bear has taught us as creators that we can't just depend on one revenue stream. We need to look for additional ways to monetize not only our art, but our skills and our expertise and the knowledge base that we've built over the two plus years here. And quite frankly, that's why I get really excited about creatorhood because somebody like myself, and I sent a tweet out about it today, like somebody like myself, I've never listed an NFT myself. I have had an NFT listed, but by somebody else. And I was able to go on to creatorhood and within a span of six minutes, be able to list an NFT and connect that NFT to not just my art, but the skills and expertise that I have in building personal brand and helping folks through a one-on-one coaching session to be able to help them do the same. That's a different and totally unexpected line of revenue that I can look to exploit in the best way possible to be able to offer that value to more people. And I think those are the types of things that I'm really excited to see for creators, visual podcasters like yourselves, writers, Whatever it is that you do, if you create any sort of tangible offering, this provides you with the opportunity to monetize that. And I'm looking at like so many friends in the crowd, like the NFTPs of the world, Trish, Lottie, like all people that are incredible artists in their own right, but also now have spent two plus years in this space, know 1%, are part of the 1% that know something that 99% of the world doesn't know. And yet we all believe is going to be the biggest opportunity for the future. That is a monetizable skill, and this kind of provides us with that opportunity to do so. So that's what I get really excited about. Also, shout out yeah, to Shira in the audience. What's up, Shira? You know, someone that transitioned from community builder to oh, creator hey. as well. Yes, and we got G in here too. So many great people. Yep. Uh, a lot of incredible people. And you touched on so many things. And one thing I want to harp in on is adjusting to where things are at and creating new ways to innovate no matter what the circumstance is. And you said it yourself, Creatorhood was one of those people to like in platforms to help do that. So I want to kick it over to Aisha and Manny. Thanks for bringing together this thoughtful conversation and bringing together all these incredible people. I'm sure some of what we discussed is the inspiration for Creatorhood and there might even be some new nuggets that everyone can take back within the creative process. So what were some of your takeaways and is Creatorhood tackling some of these challenges? Yeah, no, I mean, love this conversation. It really felt like for us, it's, helping validate a lot of why we kind of came out and and wanted to build this platform in the first place. I think from what we've heard today, I think it's 
building community is an important skill. It's also not easy all the time. And I think for us, one of the key things was as a Web2 creator, how do you successfully take that community with you and how can you bring them into Web3? So that was something we were really focused on in terms of making that onboarding process super simple, no friction. So not only as a creator can you come on, but you can also have your community come on and not have to worry about the tech. Because having those folks with you on that journey, whether you're in Web 2 and Web 3, is going to make all the difference. We really want to grow the space because we feel like giving successful Web 2 folks that decentralized mindset, that experience is just going to make them so much more successful. The other bit for us as well, as Josh mentioned, was really we think that you know a lot of the content right now is visual, but it's going to change, right? As more tools and platforms come out that help creators of all types, right? I mean, I was a dancer. So for me, visual content's a bit more difficult for writers, podcasters, gamers. It's how do you create the right tool set so that they can you know, have an offering to their community? So that's something that we focused on in terms of listening to the creators and their communities to say, what do you value? And that's kind of how we came out with that initial set of utilities, which we're putting on chain. And I think the last bit is Christina was saying, you always kind of have to think about your different sources of revenue, right? And I think we're not in the same market we were a couple of years ago. So we really wanted to help creators use all of their skill set, right? The visual, the non-visual building on parts of their community. So we wanted to ensure that they had the right tool set to be able to do that and equally to protect those royalties. So one of the things we've got a firm view on is that if you are putting utility in your NFT, you should be able to offer that only if buyers are paying your royalties because that's passive income coming to you and you should have that going forward, right? It's your right. You can pass it on to your kids or your whoever else. So keeping those royalties flowing and keeping it a safe place for creators is what we were really intent on doing. I love that. Manny, anything to add there? I think really for us, it's we wanted to make it accessible to as wide a swath of people as possible. So whether you're a Web3 creator who wants to expand the offering to Web2 folks that already follow you in your Web2 life, or you're a Web2 creator and you want to find new buyers in the Web3 space. So we actually built our own payment system, which allows creators to be paid in fiat in their bank account or in crypto. And their buyers can come in and not have to worry about any of that friction. So I think for us, really, the intentionality was we want it to not be so much about the tech because not everyone is as passionate about how the tech works as the true diehard. So I think a lot of people want the benefits without the understanding exactly how every nugget of it works. So I think what we built and I think what, what Christina hopefully experienced today was that anyone can come and sell an NFT without crypto wallets, understanding any of that, and your buyer base can expand as a result of that. Yeah, I appreciate all those thoughts and I appreciate the thoughtfulness you guys have put into building this product to sort of ramp us out of this bear market with the right tech for more creators to be successful. We do have to wrap soon, but Josh, Dental Tornado, I just want to give you guys a chance if you had any additional closing thoughts on this topic. Yeah, thanks. I mean, really just excited to see more creators coming into space because we believe that having that additional creativity, having those additional perspectives and people to contribute is going to be a huge win in the long run. So looking forward to seeing more creators building here in Web3 with us. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to 
seeing different ways of creators and how they evolve over time, especially with the introduction of AI and, and how much that can benefit different creators and how they create. And looking forward personally for me, especially to bridge the gap between Web 2 and Web 3, that's been a big motivation of for me is to bring people from Web 2. So I'm really motivated to blow up in Web 2 and then bring people into Web 3 the right way. I love that. And by the way, one more shout out. I just realized the frog in our audience is none other than uh, Scott Page, former sax player for Pink Floyd, friend of ours and major futurist who's doing some real building in Web3 as well. Scott, thanks for popping in, man, and saying what's up. And always good to have you in any space conversation around the future of Web3. But that said, I think, Richard, it's probably time to move towards wrapping this bad boy up. Absolutely. So let's, let's wrap it. Oh, so thank you oh, all wait, for joining. Wait, wait. Us. Scott saying what's up, Scott. Yeah, I brought him on up. Let's see. <laughs> all right. Hey, brother. Good to see you. Hey, man. everybody. Thank you. Hey, man. Great, great space. Great topic, right? I mean, this is one of those moments in time where the people have a shot here to take back the power of all this currency. You know, if you look at NFTs, what's going on in the world right now, it's we're getting smart. I high thumb everybody out there for being in the space right now. And thanks so much for doing a shout out there, Brother Josh. Yeah, it's very exciting. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, really, the whole thing about community is such an important part of this thing. I mean, remember, whoever owns the community wins. I'm a big believer that if you want to survive, you got to build a hive. It's the new game right now and creating value. And it's, it's great to see artists starting to get into this more and really look at what is an NFT. And I think as people start to realize then NFT is not just a JPEG, but it's a whole experience. You can tell stories with them. They're programmable. It creates an entire new art form for artists. And that ability to build that relationship with a can be a small group of people. And you can still do great in this business. That's what I love about it. It's really a freedom for the people. This allows us to create new business models. Because again, as musicians, we can't sell music anymore. There's no place to sell music. Where do you sell music? No more downloads. You don't have any CDs. Streaming business is horrible. Well, thank God now we have an incredible direct-to-consumer business model, wallet-to-wallet business model, and I couldn't agree more. And very nice to see what uh, Creator Hood's doing there, building tool sets for the artists to be able to handle all this stuff very, you know, simply and easily, because that's the next phase is really bringing on the web two people into web three. So hats off to all of you. Hats off to Outer Edge. Love you guys. It's crazy cool. You've been, I've learned a ton. I got to tell you, Josh. You know, listening to all your podcasts and bringing all the great people here. It's just, again, I love this space to death. It's just crazy cool. The community is awesome. And yeah, let's go build. I mean, that's the thing. Even in this down market, great things are happening. And uh, I don't know if anybody's going to be in East Toronto. I'll be down there. So if you're coming up to East Toronto, please come by our space. We have a space there. Loot 8 will be uh, showing our platform. And so anybody in Toronto, come visit next month and let's roll. Awesome. Well, thanks, <laughs> thanks again for for coming and joining and uh, appreciate it, man. And again, thanks for everyone for joining our Twitter spaces today. I thought it was absolutely incredible. We want to conclude this insightful discussion with some exciting news to share from Creatorhood. So I'm going to pass it over to Aisha and Manny. Yeah, super. Hey, Manny, do you want to grab this one? Yeah. So as we're going up into our launch, we do want to kind of engage a lot of the community. And I can't give too much details, but there will be a native token and there'll be incentives and we want to have everyone involved, right? So specifically creators. So just watch this space and specifically we'll try to do something different and we're trying to bring out utilities and all of those things. So yeah, look forward to having you all participate.
Thanks so much. And thanks for supporting this interesting conversation. It was really fun. I definitely learned some things as well. I want to thank, in addition to Creatorhood, I want to thank Josh, Gentle Tornado, Christina, Ed, and Impromptu, dear friend of ours, Scott Page, for popping by and saying what's up. Appreciate everyone's time and their insights and inspiring stories. That's what this space is all about. As a reminder, at the beginning of this space, guys, we said if you retweet what I think is now the pinned tweet about this space to give more people a chance to listen to this content in addition to the audio form of the podcast that will come out. You are eligible for a really special giveaway to our live event, which is our Edge of AI podcast launch on August 2nd. And you can follow that account at edge of underscore AI, which is another really exciting part of the world of emerging tech. And there's a big convergence here and we want to talk about all of it. So we're giving away two tickets. That's a $200 value to our event. And it's going to be in Venice about four to nine. It's going to be a lot of fun. we got some really incredible AI experts. They'll be speaking and more opportunity for us to all learn together. And if you retweet any, and quote it, anytime in the next 24 hours, we'll randomly choose a winner to announce those winners on Twitter. So go ahead and retweet and quote this space to give more people a chance. And hopefully you can join us in person and Richard, I think yeah. we have another giveaway too. We do. So outside of those tickets that we're going to give away, everyone is welcome to join the celebration at the Edge of AI launch party. It's for all other listeners out there. We're going to give away another five tickets to people who use the code CREATORVIP. So if you use K-R-E-A-T-O-R-V-I-P, you get 75% off of this ticket. So you can come join us at the party on August 2nd. We we'll look forward to seeing you there. Thank you. And Christina is also doing a dope giveaway. Christina, thank you so much. So Sean, remind us how this giveaway is going to work. And I guess we have a winner or how this giveaway worked. And I guess we have a winner already that you can announce. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. So people were instructed to like and retweet the pinned post. We went ahead and tallied those and spun the wheel. And our winner is Nancy Kilmer 11. So again, check your inbox from our admin team on how to claim your prize. That will be entering your DM soon. Congratulations. Sweet. Richard, wrap us up. Absolutely. So stay tuned for more innovative updates and inspiring conversations with the future Edge of NFT and Outer Edge Twitter space sessions. This has been Richard taking on the edge of creatorhood. Keep pushing boundaries, unleashing your creativity, and making positive impact. Until next time, thanks for everybody for joining. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show host and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of these links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, privacy policy, and copyright notice. Thank you, everyone, for joining, and we'll see you next time. See you soon, everyone. <laughs>